Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace for the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee, spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel, from Franklin to the nations of the world, all for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas isn't over, y'all. It's just begun. And so though the world might move past it, we continue to celebrate Christmas. And it is this morning we gather together and I want to again say to you, Merry Christmas. I'm Pastor Randy Lovelace, serve here as lead pastor. And we're in this series in the season of Advent and now in the Christmas season of the stories we tell. The ways in which we as a culture and as a people tell ourselves stories through film, through novels, through songs, but particularly through film during the Christmas season that we can't seem to get away, whether the film is a direct reflection of what the scriptures teach or not, we can't get away from this story that someone has come to rescue us or that someone is transformed by the truth of grace and love. And we've looked at several films as we've longed for love and joy and hope and peace. This morning we look at longing for light. As you turn with me this morning, if you have your Bibles, it is in the Gospel of John in the first few verses, but particularly verses four and five. Hear now God's word to us this morning. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we now ask, by your grace and your mercy and the light of your word and the power of your spirit, give us renewed hearts by the light of your grace. Give us hearts that are no longer burdened because of the light of your mercy. Give us, Lord, the glory and the gift of your presence and lift from us the darkness of loneliness and despair. Come, light of the world. May your light shine in our midst. Help us, we pray, and help the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. We had not lived in Maryland very long, but shortly before we moved from New Jersey to Maryland, I had the opportunity to buy one more bike for my stable of bicycles. And that was a mountain bike, and I had longed to return to racing mountain bikes, and I had this opportunity. It was a year-old mountain bike, and Trek was getting rid of it, and my bike shop was supporting, and I got this great bike. It was wonderful. But if you're familiar at all with North Jersey, not many places to ride a mountain bike. But I knew... We were moving to Maryland, and now in Maryland, there's this one spot between Baltimore and Washington, D.C., where there is literally world-class, single-track mountain biking. And I thought, yes, this is going to be great. Problem is, I didn't know any of the trails. And one of the things that they did was, is there was a group ride uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings. It was called TMR, the morning ride. And so I thought, ready to go. And so this was, you know 
and it was the late aughts, and so our lighting systems had gotten a lot better. You would mount your light on your helmet, and you could turn it any way you want to go, and you had a lithium-ion battery that was wired through your helmet, and you would put it down in your back pocket. And uh, generally, the TMR would go all year round, because even when it was desperately and difficultly cold and dark, it was always warmer in the woods. And so I said, okay, I'm going to join this ride. I'm going to do it. It was a, a little bit warmer winter, more my liking in 2011, 2012. And so I joined them on the, on the TMR. It was 5.30 in the morning, pitch dark, middle of winter. What could go wrong? So uh, I, I loaded up, never been on these trails before, pitch dark, turn on the light, rock and roll. This is 800 lumens. If you don't know anything about lumens, 800 back then is like you're lighting up the world, or so you thought, right? So it's great. So there's about five to 10 of us, and we're all in a line. We're going through these trails. And I thought, <laughs> I got this. So I get on the front of the group. Yeah, smart. So I get on the front of the group, and so I've got this light, and it's going great. And we're on just the edge of this part of the mountain, and my light goes dark. <laughs> yeah, didn't charge that light that morning. And so suddenly I find myself going through very narrow trails that I've never been through before, and the lights are behind me, but I'm casting a shadow, and I can see very little. Cobwebs and spider webs and branches and rocks and roots, what could go wrong? Being in darkness is no fun at all especially when you don't know where you are, but even if you're familiar with where you are. Being put into darkness, not knowing exactly what's in front of you, is fear-inducing. No matter how much you might try to push that fear away or keep your pride going to keep going down that trail, it is frightening. Our pride might keep us going, but we sense, I can't do this. What John is saying to us as a people, and what he's saying to the church, is that Jesus has come, he says. And verse four is all in the past tense. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now he's looking back at the coming of Christ at the incarnation, which we are celebrating this Sunday morning. No longer waiting for it, we're celebrating its coming, and it has come. And so he's looking back, this, he was life, and his life was the light of men. And then in verse five he says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But what is this darkness? What is this darkness that Jesus and his light and being light has come into. This we have to wrestle with, and it's gonna make us uncomfortable because it's not good news. For John, darkness is not merely referring to individual sin or any particular kind of sin. Darkness for which Jesus has come into is a darkness that is a whole complex system of actions, of motivations, of thoughts, of words, and yes, actions. 
that are set over against the rule and glory of God. What we call sin, sin is any transgress, any breaking of the law of God. And once you've broken one of them, you've broken all of them. Consider for just a moment, in the last, oh, I don't know, I'll give you a week. Have you failed to love someone completely and fully? Yes, you have. Have you, over the last week, said something about someone at their expense and they had no idea you were saying it? Yes, we did. Have you failed to love God completely with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength here in the heart of Christmas? Yes, we have. But to say it's darkness is to say it's over against God, you are not God, we've got this. We're on that trail. Great mountain bike, great lighting system, but the battery pack has burned out. Bertrand Russell, famous 20th century philosopher, was quite okay with this idea of darkness and very much okay with the idea that there is no afterlife, there is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no God. And he was quite okay with this. Consider this, which he held and taught for him. I guess maybe this was good news, but hear what he says. Man is the product of causes which, has, which had no provision of the end for which they were achieving. His origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental atoms that no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. And all the labors of the ages, all the devotion and all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. And the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of the universe in ruins. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Yay! Kids, aren't you glad you stayed in church today? But notice what he said. Only within the scaffolding of these truths that there's nothing beyond this life. Only that is the firm foundation and the habitation to build a life. Now that's stark, it's depressing, and I actually don't believe even Bertrand Russell lived that way. Because why would we even get up in the morning? Why would we even choose to love and to do anything? But yet this is what he taught and this is what he believed. And it is such a stark example of what the dark, complex system of saying you are not God, but we are actually looks like. But though we may not hold each one of these individual truths at any point where we fail to say, Lord, you are Lord, I need you in the midst of my dark moment, we are essentially saying, I've got this. But when we're honest, we know that we don't. And our battery pack to our really cool light is burned out. But Jesus, it says in verse five, 
And this is the place where John now turns to the present tense. In verse five, he says, the light, the light of life shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. What is this light? Or if I might say, who is the light? Let me illustrate it this way. So on that morning, on my first time, and I will admit, the last time I did that ride, I stopped in the middle of the trail. My friends came around me. They were all lit up like Roman candles. If you remember what those are, I guess you can still maybe fire those off in Tennessee. You couldn't in Maryland. So, okay, great. So they get in front of me, and now I can see. Now they're leading me. Now, I, 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 they give me just enough light, but it's still not enough. But it's just enough. I can make it to the next section of trail. And around 6 a.m., the lights, the sun starts to come up. And when the sun comes up, it makes all of these multi, really cool lights look like puny tea lights. And when that sun comes up, it takes that dark forest and showers it with light. And then as we take a break, I'm able to, I remember looking behind and I'm able to see what we've just gone through. Not only would I have not been able to get back there, I really see what kind of peril and danger I was really in and actually what, what was ahead. But I needed the sun because the sun lights up everything, every dark place. And not only does it just light up everything, it actually brings warmth. And when you're in the middle of winter, that warm air is ignited and then every, the cold ground starts letting up the mist. And what leaves remain on the trees begin to glisten in the sunlight. It is truly glorious. Not glorious enough for me to go back again, but it is really glorious. It is beautiful. It is warm. It is well lit. And our little lights, even full of battery power, pale in comparison. This is what John is drawing our attention to. The light shines in the darkness. This means that Jesus Christ isn't just the source of light, he is light. And what he's referring to is the, his character, the character of his grace and his mercy, because when he comes with his light, when Jesus and his life and the word of his truth comes, his light comes and does not shame. It tells us the truth that we were in darkness and we thought we were wise. We thought we knew where we were going, but the light of his grace and mercy reveals how much trouble we really are in. That our battery packs, our will, our motivations, all of our renewal of our ideas and goals simply are not enough. They run out of battery power because the darkness of wanting to be God is so strong it requires a grace and mercy that comes in and says, you are not God and you are enslaved to thinking that you are. But I, has come, I have come as God in the flesh to show you the light of my grace and mercy to show you that you can't. Dorothy Sayers, the great British 
essayist and believer said, the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to let us fall, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death. He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain all for us and thought it well worth his while. Amen and amen. Jesus doesn't just come with his light to give us grace and mercy. He came and was allowed and gave himself to the darkness of death and pain and suffering on a cross to demonstrate to us by his grace and mercy that we cannot save ourselves. That there is something more. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. The light has come, but the darkness has not overcome it. We long for light as people. Think about the stories we tell. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, my favorite Christmas story when I was youngest and because I was the smallest of my brothers, really small among all my friends, and I loved Rudolph. Yes, they made fun of him, and he was a little, a little bruised by it all. And he was told by Santa, no, you cannot lead the sleigh. You're not old enough yet. But the moment came when the storm cast its darkness over, and he was chosen to lead the sleigh. You know the story. We, we like to tell these stories. We want the light to beat out the darkness. We can't help but tell that story. We do it every year. I did a infor very informal survey, but I'm just going to ask, did anyone pay you? Now, if this is your profession, don't raise your hand. Did anyone pay you to hang those lights up around your house or inside your house? Raise your hand. Not only did no one pay you to hang those Christmas lights, we spend vast amounts of our tax dollars going to cities who then hang lights for us we weren't able to hang any lights this year. But it gave us like this alien experience to watch everybody else in the hills of Franklin and greater Nashville were lit up with light. And we parked our car on Christmas night and we walked the streets of Franklin and saw all the great lights and it's beautiful, it's twinkling. People round the tree in the middle of town taking selfies and pictures and family photos. It was great and we walked the streets, it was beautiful. Why do we hang lights? Because we long for it in the darkness. So here's my question for you first this morning. Do you desire the light of the grace of Christ? Is there a dark place in your life where you are really longing for light? Is there a sin pattern? Is there a brokenness? Is there a hurt 
that the darkness feels very strong as though it will overcome you. You're afraid of it. I want to ask you this morning to consider and to ask the Lord, Jesus Christ, who is the light, to shine his light in that place. And remember, that light is not a light of shame. It is a light of grace and mercy because he entered into your darkness and has taken your sin and has taken our brokenness on himself and the darkness has not overcome it. So when you ask for this light, know that it comes with grace and mercy and not shame. And so I'm gonna do something unusual for us I'm gonna ask us to be quiet for about 30 to 45 seconds. I want you to close your eyes if that's helpful for you. And I want you to think of that place. Perhaps you've stopped praying for that. That person, that situation, that sin, that hurt. Whatever that darkness is, I wanna encourage you to ask the light of Christ to come in. Let's take that moment of silence now. Lord Jesus, hear the prayers of your people. Come with the light of your grace and mercy. Amen. That was the first question I have for you. My second question as we close, have you embraced the deeper story of Christmas? Here's what I mean. Some of you will have just prayed as I have just prayed for a part of my life where I need the light and mercy and grace of Christ to come. But it's not transactional, meaning once I pray it, then the solution comes. Where somebody can just go over to the light switch and flip it on and everything's good. No, that says the light has come, the light shines. But Isaiah says in Isaiah 9 that the light dawns. It takes time for the sun to rise as it takes time for the light of God's grace and mercy in his son to bring new life to dark places. The deeper story of Christmas is not coming to God and to Jesus saying, here's my problem, now change it. No, it's saying, will you come into this place of darkness and show me how your light can change me, maybe even before you change this dark place. The deeper story of Christmas is going and following Jesus to that deeper place and knowing that he is the light and his light of his grace and mercy doesn't magically change things, but rather takes me deeper in to the place where I least want to trust him and that takes time, but we must follow because the light 
has come into the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. And as we read in scripture, as 1 Peter 2 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's all about process. And we sing of it, don't we? One of the songs that we sing at Christmas is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or it should be said, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Notice this verse. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. That second birth is the glory of his salvation and the process of our being changed more and more into his likeness and allowing his light to change and transform our darkness, even ourselves, in the midst of a dark place. Joni Erickson Tata once wrote and has said that this is one of her favorite stanzas of her favorite Christmas hymn. And she says, were you singing along with me? This is, she once wrote, she goes, were you singing along with me? There's a reason this verse from my favorite Christmas carol means so much to me. Every time I sing that part of the song about healing in his wings, I choke up. Many years ago, I thought it meant Jesus would heal me physically. I remember thinking, surely this Christmas, he's going to raise me up out of this wheelchair. Little did I know that in due time, God would heal me, but in a way I never, ever dreamed possible. Because two years later, on another Christmas, I found contentment and joy simply because I found that I could embrace his whole will for my life. And what is his will? That we put ourselves in the best position, the best place in which God can be most glorified. Friends, you are not tolerated. You have been pursued by the light of heaven, of his glory and grace that floods the dark places of our lives to change us even before our circumstances. All for his glory and grace that we might experience his life, new life, eternal life. Glory be to God and Merry Christmas to all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would come again to us. Make us your own. and May your light flood into the dark places of our lives and help us to find contentment and peace in the light of your grace and mercy. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Minister to your people. Bring dead to life and bring new life to dry bones. In Jesus' name, amen.